With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to I Am Refocused Radio with your host, Shamaya Reed. This show is designed to inspire you to live your purpose and regain your focus. And now, here's your host, Shamaya Reed. Hey, welcome to Iron Refocus Radio. We are here once again. Today, we have another show lined up for y'all. We have a special guest. His name is Michael W. Allison. He has a website you can go to. is michaelwallison.com. We're going to learn everything about him and what he does and also his life story. He is a Purple Heart veteran, a trauma survivor, a business consultant, a keynote speaker, a life coach, and the CEO of the Adversity Academy. First and foremost, Michael, thank you for your time. How are you doing? Man, it's a pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me here, man. I'm doing good. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. So you have a powerful story. I mean, you, I was reading your bio a little bit about you. You had your journey starting in Jamaica and your family ended up coming to the United States, ended up being in Florida, Miami. Tell us a little bit about what it was like with your family. Yeah, man. Um, initially, uh, Family-wise, growing up in Jamaica, you know, it's the countryside of town, I want to say, you know, so um, we we didn't grow up with, like, some of the things that uh, kids grew up with in these days. So we didn't have, like, your KFCs, your Domino's, your Red Lobsters, or your Walmarts, any of those things. We have markets, <laughs> we got taxis, and, um, and everything that we eat is growing from the ground and stuff like that. So... That's the kind of community that I grew up in. And then um, due to a flood that uh, devastated our family. So um, whatever my mom and dad worked for, um, they lost it and uh, left us temporarily homeless. <laughs> From there, man, uh, a couple of years later, we got hit with Hurricane Gilbert. I'm not sure how many people are familiar with that, but that uh, hit Jamaica and rocked us again and uh, damaged everything for the family. Uh, From there, my family made a decision to uh, go to New York City. And um, eventually, uh, they had asked for my grandma to take care of us for a little bit. But if you know anything about like some of the uh, immigrants or some of the people from the uh, Caribbeans, they uh, migrate to different parts of the United States and then eventually link back up. So me and my siblings, we went to Miami, Florida, man. And um, we moved to uh, Miami, lived in our overtown. And this was a difference. So it, I'm in the inner city, the projects, the ghetto, coming from this country countryside of town. And uh, now I'm seeing prostitutes, drug dealers, um, drugs, you, you name it. Um, that's what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis once I got to Miami, Florida, man. And I read about also that you were definitely into sports. You had dreams of big dreams and playing football, but something happened in high school. Tell us a little bit about that situation. Yeah, man. So when I, when I came to the United States, I... Uh, I, I knew cricket and I knew uh, soccer, and but I, I found a love for um, American football, and I was in Miami, so I uh, had an affinity for the Miami Dolphins um, initially. 
So um, I started seeing Dan Marino, um, Lewis Oliver, Brian Cox, Mark Clayton, all of these guys play running up and down and seeing people jumping around and all that stuff. So I said I wanted to give it a go and see how good I could be at it, and I did. Um, I uh, played in high school for uh, Miami Northwestern High School, and then I eventually played for a highly of Miami Lakes uh, football team. I played uh, offensive line and uh, some defensive line. And I was pretty good. I made a couple of different teams in regards to like your your uh, all date and all these different types of things. And then um, once I was getting a little bit of buzz or whatever about myself, you know, I tore my ACL and MCL my uh, junior year and my senior year, which was really devastating. I was getting some letters from a couple colleges that was uh, up and coming. Back then, UCF was up, up and coming. University of South Florida was up and coming. Um, but the biggest college that stood out for me was University of Wisconsin. And um, that's where I uh, had my eyes set on. But once those injuries came in, um, you know, I had to get the uh, get the bad news that they were no longer interested in me due to the injuries. Um, so with that, ha- with that being said, um, we had to make some other decisions in life in regards to um, some other career decisions for myself. Once again, talking to our guest today, Michael W. Allison. Go to his website, michaelwallison.com. A little bit further down the road, you end up deciding to join the Marines, U.S. Marine Corps, and you end up serving for for eight years. I want to thank you for your service. What prompts you to decide military was the opportunity for you to explore? Yeah, so, you know, I've always had like a a keen eye looking at a different branch of service when I was in high school and a recruiter had approached me and told me about what the service could do for me in regards to like a career path and all of these, the benefits that comes with it. One of the things that uh, they definitely highlighted for me was the utilization of the GI bill. So that definitely intrigued me once the opportunity with Wisconsin kind of fell to the wayside in addition to that, my family, we didn't have money like that to go to college. And I, and, I, and we I don't think I or we did all of the research researching in regards to like your grants, your um, your financial aids and all of the different financial aspects that come with going to college. So the route that I chose was United States Marine Corps. Um, joining the Marine Corps was one of the best decisions that I've made, though, man. It it taught me so much in regards about myself to just um, grow up as a young man. It taught me a lot about leadership, teamwork, the mission, the vision, identifying what a perfect a purpose is. And then, um, you know, when I joined, man, I went through boot camp three months. One of the hardest things I ever did, but I, I did graduate um, after our boot camp. Um, I uh, went to Marine combat training, where they train you how to how to simulate in a war. Unfortunately, while I was doing that, I did get hypothermia and found myself in the hospital, man. And I was like, man, another bad break. Um, eventually, I did uh, finish the training, got out of the hospital, and then um, just got got to working and uh, moved myself up the ranks. And as I was doing that, you know, um, some terrorists hit New York City. And lo and behold, like one of the, the, the biggest concerns my parents always had was the obviously the going to war. So when I was in the United States and as a kid, I, I seen Desert Storm and all those different types of things that was going on around that time. So that's what they saw and that's what they heard about. So that was a big fear for them. Long before I was in and uh, terrorists struck New York and um, it was eventually that we're gonna get the call to go to um, Iraq. So fast forward, I was in Japan and I was training 
And then um, I had transferred to California and I was uh, training out there too. And then Captain Venning came out while I was training and told us it was our turn to uh, go to Iraq. From there, man, uh, we uh, got all of the training that we needed. And it was one of the toughest times in my life, you know, because obviously I've never been to war before. We're, we're training, we're preparing, all those different things that come with, with going to war. But you never know. Um, it's always like expect the unexpected. So I quickly uh, try to put myself in this uh, mental mind frame of uh, disengaging from what reality was. So and and, that, and I say that as in like in, pre- in preparation, they're telling us like cut off all your bills, break all the leases and all of these things and stuff like that. In addition to that, I, I kind of broke off a lot of things with family members, girlfriends, you name it, man. And just try to like stay focused on what I had to go over there and do. So I did that and um, we flew from Cali, from Cali to Seattle, from Seattle to Canada, from Canada to Germany, from Germany to Kuwait. And from Kuwait, we uh, took a whole bunch of Humvees, tanks and uh, convoyed all the way into Iraq. First night we got there, we got incoming and that let me know like this this, this uh, war stuff is real. The first uh, mission that we went on, we got shot at. I'm seeing bullets fly behind me and land behind me. And obviously we had to uh, fire back and shoot those people that uh, that shot at us. Uh, been through many different uh, uh, excursions and things like that while we're there and been into different situations. But the last one that really stuck out for me was uh, the previous, uh, it was like the last eight months I was there. And the previous night we were out and we got attacked by some, guy, by some guys that had uh, RPGs and um, mortars that were shooting at us. We captured them, we turned them in. We came back the next day to um, link back up with our unit. And while I was delivering supplies and we were going in a counterclockwise uh, movement, my uh, gunny, my best friend Salto, the doctor and the driver was in a Humvee. And um, I dropped off the supplies to them, said a little bit of words to them, pulled off. And within a matter of like 10 seconds, I heard the loudest explosion I could ever hear in my life, man. And it rocked my tank, tilted us. From that car explosion, the shrapnel from there struck me across the shoulder, above the eyelids, or the eyebrow area, knocked me down the side of the tank. Once I got, I got, once I came back to Castanelli, came and picked me up. We checked on me, obviously, made sure I was okay. We got out of the tank to check on those guys. It was the worst scene I ever seen in my life, man. Um, nothing but smoke, fire, and then. It's this the smell and the look of metal and fire and smoke all in one um, scenery is uh, unbelievable, man. My gunny was covered up in smoke, but he was still alive. The doctor lost his leg. Um, the gunner lost half of his face. And my best friend Salta was dead. And we eventually had to put him in body bag, put everybody in our first aid, get the medevac and get out of there, man. And that, that, was my, that was one of the most traumatic, obviously traumatic things I could ever experience in my life. And knowing that I was going to be able to, to go to war was one thing, but like going through that experience, man, is something that I'll never forget. And you listen to On Refocus Radio talking to our guest today, Michael W. Allison. You go to his website, michaelwallison.com. After you served eight years in the military, what was the thought process for you in transitioning out? Did you have... Um, goals in mind already or were you just ready to turn the page and kind of settle down first before you took your your next step 
Yeah, so I was at the point in my life where I just wanted something different. Um, you know, I think war really does something to you mentally, man. And uh, when I was over there, one of the biggest things it, it uh, I saw was you cannot get complacent in life. You cannot uh, take things for granted. And from there, I, I said I wanted to just move on with my life and um, start a family. So uh, I, I got married. I had a son when I was getting ready to transition. And... I thought I was ready for life and all of this, those different types of things in regards to like my preparation. It was not the best preparation, but uh, that's that's what happened. I eventually got out and I thought I was going to uh, work on the for uh, a police department and um, that didn't work out. So I was left to go back home to my mom, my mom and dad's house. And it was one of the most suckiest feelings ever, man, going through that transition because you've done all these things, all these great things for your country. And to come back and your transition suck when it comes to like either employment and you're just trying to figure things out in regards to like your housing, your living, your finances. And if you don't have all of those things in order, you're in for a rude awakening when it comes to the real world. And I say that as in prior to my house was always taken care of. I had a steady check coming in. My medical was always taken care of, you know, so I never really had to give so much of a conscious thought knowing those things were automatic for myself. When I got out, yeah, you had to figure all those things out on your own and I had to do that. When you started to go back to school, tell us about that process and what was your goal in getting into this new chapter of your life? Yeah, so going back to school was one of the the, the biggest thing that um, stuck out for me because, you know, when I first joined, it was to utilize the GI Bill. And I said, I'm going to change my identity and make this version of myself the best version of myself. And um, I had to work on myself, man. So I, I started digging into personal development and professional development. And one of the biggest part of that was to go back to school. And I got my associate's degree in emergency management. Then I got my bachelor's degree in information security. And then I got my master's degree in applied management and business. And then um, from there, man, I got a couple of IT certifications to become a certified project manager and a government contractor. And as soon as I did those things, started working on myself, so many doors opened up for me. I was able to work on the railroad to become a train master and manage um, the railroad from um, Atlanta, Georgia, all the way down to uh, Macon, Georgia for close to five years. From there, man, I uh, left there, went to work for the government in Washington, D.C., and I became a project manager and a uh, government contractor in Washington, D.C. for close to over 10 years. And then from there, I uh, left there and I became the director for our military students at Florida Atlantic University. One of the most enjoyable jobs I had to do when working with uh, veteran students and their uh, and their dependents in a, in a school uh, environment. And from there, man, once once I got all those skills, I uh, said, I'm going to leave that alone and I'll go into entrepreneurship. And uh, that's what I did. I read in your bio about success being the result of aligning your true identity with your life's decisions, directions, and destination. I mean, knowing your story from Jamaica, New York, Florida, military, going back to school, getting to your career, is all these checkpoints. What would you say always kept you going despite the adversity that you were facing throughout life? There's always a drive for me, man, to uh, never give up and always to take accountability and responsibility and just strive to be great and always helping people along the way. 
You know, I, I, uh, I'm never one to, uh, blame anyone and always, um, become accountable for all of my actions that I've taken in my life, man. And I'm someone that's uh, deeply rooted within my faith and knowing that I have enough belief in myself to get anything accomplished and get anything done and doing so, you know, I had to change a lot of things in my life. So, you know, I, I always talk about decision, direction, and destination. Um, prior to some things in my life, you know, things was uh, out of alignment. But once I got those realigned and got real focused, gained some clarity and developed a blueprint for myself, success seems a whole lot easier. Even through the preparation and all those things, the opportunity was always presenting themselves. And I was always prepared as I was, I was always working myself and training myself in regards to being ready for whether it was a business opportunity, a training opportunity, a coaching opportunity, or a speaking opportunity just to make sure that I was always going to be at my best every single time, every time a, a moment uh, presents itself. I mentioned earlier in the intro about you being a business consultant, keynote speaker, uh, life coach, and also the CEO of the Adversity Academy. Tell us a little bit about your coaching and consulting and how the vision of what you're the CEO of the Adversity Academy came to play. Most definitely, man. So it actually started a couple of years ago. I uh, I went to uh, Houston, Texas to uh, write a book or start writing my book. And I ran into uh, Steve Belber, which is a, a good friend of mine. Um, he writes for uh, HBO, Netflix, and all those different shows. And I uh, wrote chapter one, and I kind of put my whole life story in chapter one. <laughs> and he was like, uh, hey, man, um, I think there's more to your story that you need to flesh out here, but I really think you got something here. And we sat down and we talked about my life and I, I really was not as uh, open or transparent with some things that has occurred in my life. I was a kid that been through some childhood trauma, right? And I never really spoke about that or talk about some of those things as either men don't talk about some of these things or especially black men don't talk about some of the things that has occurred to me when I was a kid. And then, when I got out of the military, you know, that experience from Iraq really haunted me, man. When I was on the railroad, I experienced two suicides and that really like messed with me. And um, I had to go get help. When I uh, went through my, uh, I went through two divorces and a second divorce brought me to the brinks of suicide. I was on, to, on 13 different medications. I was arrested before for a DUI um, been arrested for uh, fighting with the police officer. And my life was, was a bit of adversity that I always kept facing and going through. And I put that on paper and I put that inside of my book. And it was like, Hey man, uh, let's, let's ex extract the story here. You've won. You're one person that has been through an enormous amount of adversity, but you've bounced back and you've, you've, you, your identity has shifted. You don't even seem like the same person that has been through all of these things. And we basically did that, man. Um, I became very comfortable in regards to uh, my transformation, my self-discovery. And I wrote that book, Overcoming Adversity, Getting Your Life Back Off Track. From there, that propelled me into getting on a stage to do a TEDx and talking about that same story, but applying different life lessons towards that. And then from, from the TEDx, um, the uh, opportunity and the thought came up to open up the Adversity Academy. And who's best to talk about, teach people, work with people, that has been through adversities and know how to get through it. And that's where the Adversity Academy came from. So from there, man, we offer uh, leadership training, 
consulting and coaching that's going to focus on personal development in regards to getting you best suited for the transformation and the clarity and a blueprint that you need in your life. When it comes to the consulting aspects of things, my background is very diverse in regards to like business and all of the acumen things. That I've, so I ran a, a construction franchise. We made the Inc. 5000. And then obviously some of the uh, things that I've learned throughout my uh, professional career, incorporating some of those things when it's working with uh, businesses and strategizing, offering different types of solutions. And from those, man, I put all those into the Adversity Academy where now it's delivered to you through coaching, it's delivered to you through workshops. You could have me come and do a keynote. You, I could come and do your retreats for you and things like that. When it comes to the philosophy of your um, programs, you have a quote unquote breaking the bottle. Kind of explain that to the audience and also the 3D method that you use for um, overcoming adversity with decision, direction, and destination. Absolutely, man. I love that, man. I, I love breaking the bottle. And the, the whole concept behind that is we always use the term, we bottle up this emotion, we bottle up our feelings, we bottle all of these things up. And that's where the entire concept came from, where we need to break the bottle. And that was me. I, uh, I, 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 the trial trauma, the military things, I didn't speak about those things for close to 30 years of my life, man. And it was doing so much damage internally for me that I did not even know it. And it was not until I broke the bottle and fixed all of these things that I started gaining so much clarity and understanding so much about myself to, to set new standards for myself, to set new values for myself, understand what my purpose is here on earth. So from that, how I figured those things out for myself was through 3Ds. I had to change the, the decisions I was making in the past to make some new decisions. I had to change the direction my life was going to apply the direction of where my life needs to be going. The destination is ultimately, where is it that I see my purpose? Where is it that I need to start targeting? Where is it that I need to put my mind? Where is it that I need to put my energy and my focus and, and, and uh, strive towards that objective? And once I started aligning those three things together, things became much more easier for me. It, it removed all of the, um, the fogs, the stress, the um, anxiety, all of these things that was always hindering things in my life. And that's where the 3D method came in. And that's how the break the bottle uh, concept came in as well, too. We're talking to Michael W. Allison. Go to his website, michaelwallison.com. Coming full circle. I mean, like you said, everything that you've been able to go through, you didn't stay there. You kept moving. And for those who are listening, maybe themselves or they know someone who just, and they feel like, they're not making progress. Based on your own experience, everyone's story is different. But what do you think holds a person back who feels like they plateau in life? I think two things hold people back in life. Um, I think when we have these uh, limiting beliefs, it's always tied to fear and overcoming fear. And that's what holds people back, number one. But... The biggest thing on the other side of fear is all of the life lessons and the characters that it teach you about yourself that you could actually accomplish anything. And you develop that belief and faith within yourself. The imposter syndrome is the other thing that holds people back. Sometimes people have done so much things in their lives, accomplished so much things in, the, in their lives, but they never look back or look at like all of the things that they've accomplished and be proud of themselves and feel like they're qualified. 
to even be in certain situations in certain rooms, or they have the God-given skills to be in those situations or those rooms or those uh, network uh, of uh, people or or environment. And I think those are the two of the things that holds people back. And whenever we have those types of things in our mindset and we need to shed those things is what ultimately holds people back. But once people realize those things, which is what I help people do, man, it's so much, uh, it's so much on the other side for you. Being a business owner, CEO of the Diversity Academy, and also the other things you do as a business consultant, keynote speaker and life coach, winding down end of the year, everyone's talking about the economy and the news, this and that. What do you think you're going to hold on to in 2024 as you turn this page of this year into a new year? What's your going to be your focus for the new year? And my focus for 2024 is to continue to uh, build the Diversity Academy to get it uh, one of the most renowned and trusted brands that's out there. Um, the next thing for myself personally is uh, going to be um, totally, totally, totally accountable, accountable, accountable for every single thing that I do for myself and for my business. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and make sure I get all of those things accomplished that I said. I trust in myself. I believe in myself. I have total confidence in myself. And once I could do those things and just progress and I've, I've been preparing myself, preparing myself. So I know that opportunities will be there. Last thing I ask you is if someone listened to this and they want to partner up with you as far as get your services for life coaching or learn more about the Diversity Academy, what's the best way they can learn more about your resources and contact you? Definitely. So definitely directly to me, to email is mallison at theadversityacademy.com. Uh, through my website, it's www michaelwallison.com. There's a contact form in there you can submit. And also the same contact form is on the adversityacademy.com that are coming to our team. And then if you uh, send me a message, um, most definitely just mention this uh, podcast and um, definitely we'll talk because then I know where you heard my message from too as well. I am on all social media platforms at I am Michael W. Allison as well. Once again, talking to Michael W. Allison on Focus Radio. Once again, you visit his website, like you said earlier, michaelwallison.com. Again, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man.